2020 got off to the best possible start for the Roar in the A-League, and will it be the same for the W-League? By the end of this podcast, we'll have an answer for that. This is a Brisbane Football Review for 2020, starting right now. Happy New Year, one and all, and welcome to the 2020 debut of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on a Thursday afternoon slash night at Dolphin Stadium. This is all prepared to take on Melbourne City in the W League Clash. Scott, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, James. It's great up here, isn't it, in Redcliffe? It's a beautiful day, Adam. How are you? Yeah, ha- yeah good. Happy New Year, uh, lads, and uh, to our listeners. Yes, we do appreciate your patience with what was a fairly uh, haphazard festive schedule of episodes, but rest assured, we're back on our normal-ish uh, rotation now. But either way, um, yeah, we hope 2020 is a successful year for the Raw and more importantly for us. Although I feel like they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? They do, but the Raw are one for one, which we'll probably get to in a minute. So it's decades off to a great start. I'd say so. And uh, yeah, we're going to mix up the recording a little bit today. So we're recording our first two segments before kickoff of the W League. And then segment three is basically going to be our regular post-game show featuring uh, press conferences and whatnot after the... Uh, Melbourne City games. So if our voices sound very different in segment three, that's why. Yeah. Well, like I said, hopefully it's not too late at one tonight. But um, yeah, look, uh, just this is a big game coming up on uh, tonight, and uh, hopefully a big crowd up here at Dolphin. Definitely, and we will get onto that uh, later on in the show. But first of all, we really need to talk about what was a fantastic New Year's Day for the uh, Raw in the A League: a two-one win over Western Sydney Wanderers down at Bankwest Stadium, and. Look, I'll, I'm going to be completely honest. Mitch Duke, fifth-minute goal, I think we're all thinking this might be a little bit of a rough night, yes? I think we were all thinking this is not what we were hoping for to start the new year, but after that fifth minute, the Raw did play a lot of a lot better football and they probably did deserve the game because I don't think Western Sydney offered too much after that early goal, which, they scored, which was well-worked. But apart from that, they didn't really offer a great deal and the Raw scored their first first-half goal of the season, so... Fox Sports and everybody else will have to come up with a new stat every week to talk about the Raw, but they played well, particularly after about that first 15-20 minutes of Brisbane. Everybody else, including me, who has to do a weekly A-League preview at my day job. Yeah, look, um, obviously a bit of, uh, quote, controversy, and obviously a lot of talking points, but look, I think the game was uh, pretty much one loss. I don't think... I don't think you know the Raw sort of they they didn't come out too well. The, that defend, the defensive error first up, you know, sort of like that sort of rattled them. But after that, to their credit, they really sort of dug in and resolved 
resolve themselves. And at the end of the day, um, they probably finished the stronger of the two teams and served the three points. It wasn't a pretty result, but it was exactly the kind of scoreline that this team needed in the in terms of just bouncing back, you know, from an early punch and then managing to not only come back and equalise, but go on and take the lead and hold on to it. Yeah, they've needed a result like this for a while, really. They've played some good football and not got results, and now they really just needed the result. And hopefully it will kickstart the season. I know we're halfway through the year. It's a bit funny saying I'll kickstart the season halfway through, but the table is still relatively close. If you can get Kangan on a run, we've seen Perth Glory win three games in a row, go from the bottom, I think they were, they're now third. So you can it can happen quite quickly, but the Raw, they dis- desperately needed just three points. They just had to have them. Well, you'd have to think that outside of maybe the top two, three teams in the A-League, the rest of the competition is crying out for a team to go on a bit of a run. Yeah, pretty much. And, that, and we've seen that um, Perth was mentioned by Scott as well, but also Wellington Phoenix as yep. well. Have, you know, sort of entrenched themselves in six after you know, a horrible start by their standards. And um, and yeah, they've, they've rattled off six or seven games straight now undefeated. And all of a sudden, they're sitting you know, comfortably in fifth spot. So look, maybe this is the start of things to come. If the Raw can, you know, if they don't need to win every week, but if they can get, you know, at least, you know, pick up points, especially on the road. Um, they've got two home games coming up now, which is also a good thing. But uh, but yeah, if they can rattle off four, five, six games without defeat, all of a sudden they're well in, in calculations as far as the finals race goes. And we are starting to see some of these players that, you know, we were looking for more contributions from earlier on in the season. Guys like Brad Inman, who, you know, hasn't yeah. quite fired, but in the last two weeks he's pulled off two spectacular goals. And he's really starting to, I suppose, entrench himself as one of the Raw's best 11 players. Yeah, so we don't have the audio for this, but Robbie Fowler says it's a real confidence issue with him. Not so much in Robbie Fowler's confidence in him, it's his confidence in himself. And it, it certainly does seem that way, because when he does, when he's in form, and we're seeing right now, he does look a really good player. And we saw that in preseason as well, when we all thought, wow, this is, he's going to be a really good player this year. And we're starting to see it now in the A-League. Two really good strikes and some good combination play in that front though as well, which is encouraging. You know who that actually does kind of remind me of in terms of like confidence and going on streaks? Tommy Orr. We saw him have you know runs where he would be absolutely dominant, but then a couple of things wouldn't quite go his way, and then it would uh, go back down to level, and then he'd need a couple of you know just out of nowhere uh, goals or assists or something to try and make things happen. I think there's a number of players across the league. You can probably say that you know confidence players that you know when they're hot, they're hot. When they're not, they're they're pretty ordinary, and um, look, I think Brad Inman is just another one. You know, but look, uh, hopefully, he, it looks like he's playing in somewhere that he's more comfortable. He's not used, being used as a as a makeshift number nine or a winger. He's, see, he's seeing in that midfield now, and he seems to be looks a lot more comfortable. His last two games, you know, against against Newcastle, against when he came off the bench, um, starting against. Um, Wanderers yesterday, he seems to be a lot more comfortable and getting more involved in the play, and it's obviously paying dividends. And one player who really has, I suppose, helped out uh, that ability to move Eman back into the midfield is Mirza Muradovic, who, let's be honest, I think he was one of, if not the star of the show last night, if for no other reason than just he was getting so much attention because of the way he played against Newcastle, and then you know playing the playing out the full ninety against the Wanderers. Yeah, no, he's um, obviously his form. His form out of um, Y League has been rewarded, and like I said, no goals on the board. But you know he's causing him plenty of headaches, defence uh, plenty of headaches, maybe because of you know a sight unseen. But you know he he's taking his opportunities, and you know, it may it may be a few a few more games before he hits the back of the net. He, he was very unlucky. Uh, yes, and actually was in the involved in the play that led up to the corner that uh, that got the equaliser. So um, yeah, look, he just I think hopefully that you know there's perseverance with him. He is still young. He's going to make mistakes. He's not going to he's not going to you know, run the right channel on every play. But you know what? So far, so good for the, for the youngster. 
Yeah, his his hold up plays really well. When the when the raw do hit the ball to him quickly and out of defence, he's holding the ball up really well for a young player, which you don't normally see. But he's holding it up well, and he's linking the play really well. He saw last night some really good combinations with obviously Inman for the goal and Marty Holloway before he went off in the first half, and even Jay O'Shea. So he just needs to keep performing like this if he possibly can. I know he's a young player. You're going to get variances in, in levels from time to time. But if he can keep this level of performance up, that's all he needs to do because the goals will come. Adam's right. There were a couple of good opportunities for him in that game. And they'll keep, they'll keep coming for him. And eventually, look, the one thing you know about Mirza Muradovic is he will score goals. His record in the Y League and the NPL tells you he will score goals. If he keeps getting in those positions, it'll happen. Well, speaking of that lead up uh, to the equaliser, Adam, where they got the corner, I thought that was a really creative mm. effort of him just to try and dink it past the keeper with the outside of his foot, where you think a lot of those players might have tried to overthink it, and he just went, nah, first touch, bang, right there. Now, obviously, it wasn't a game without controversy. We probably should touch on uh, some of these yep. issues, and we'll start off with the uh, handball, or no handball call, on uh, Tom Aldred late in the first half. Now, based on precedent, you'd have to say that probably could have and should have been a penalty, However, my counter to that is when Strebray Dolovsky, the head of the referees, comes out and says it was a mistake to give that as a penalty last week against Daniel Georgievsky, well, clearly they're just following the instructions of their boss. Yeah, it's, it's this handball rule. Forget, forget VAR and all that. The handball rule, I first sense, is just a real mess. And I think, I think across the world at the moment, um, the IFAB have a lot to answer for for this. Really, really supposed they try to simplify, but they've really mucked it up. And the, imp- the, the sort of the interpretation, especially we've seen the last couple of weeks in the A League alone. You know, in a way, I sort of I feel a little sorry for West Sydney Wanderers. They seem to be copying on both ends of the stick. But look, at the end of the day, um, yeah, the interpretation, the interpretation. Look, as far as I'm concerned, you know, Alex King explained himself that you know, and, and stuck by that. That's all we can ask is play on. Now they can, like Wanderers can go on and say, oh, but this wasn't like it last week and all that. Well, you know what? Precedent doesn't happen, you know, because obviously there's been an instruction and the admission that the, the, the decision last week in Adelaide was wrong, obviously, you know, solidifies that. Yeah, yeah. VAR has really cleared this up, hasn't it? Yeah. really has. But I, I think we all have said first up, that's a penalty. Mm. And the, I think, James, you're right. It was the fact that the, the referee's boss came out and said, no, that was a mistake to give that last week against Georgeski. That's why they didn't give it against Aldred, but I was expecting a VAR review and a penalty to be given when I saw it, I have to be honest. And I've got to admit, like the Wanderers just each week seem to be going to new levels of petulance when things don't go their way. The Raw have had one of these go against them as well, remember, early in the year, Lee Broxham had the handball in the box. Yes. That was not given, so it does swing around. Maybe the Wanderers will eventually get one to go their way. Because Wellington had a big complaint earlier. Remember Louis Fenton and his uh, post-game expletive rant? Well, uh, since then, they've got three or four to go their way. So maybe the Wanderers are about to get some luck. And that's the other thing as well, where, yes, okay, I get that it's frustrating, but I think in what the three and a half years we've been doing this show, I've always been consistent on this. Play well enough to take the referees out of the game. Plain and simple. Like, that happened in what, the 43rd, 44th minute, give or take? Yep. And, you know, they had 45 minutes to try and make something of it. And at the end of the day, like, they just, the Wanderers couldn't produce in the end. I'm that just, was their big yeah, mistake. It's because they're not complaining about the second goal on Ziegler being off the field. Whether or not O'Donovan oh. should have been on the field or not is another matter we might get to. But even when you're down to 10, you should be defending better yeah. than they did in that moment. 
Well, I've got that was really poor defending from the Wanderers. Well, I want to directly quote myself, and you can say it's not the Raw's fault that the Wanderers midfield were a bunch of brainless bobos who couldn't quite work out to cover for the guy who was off the field getting his lips uh, fixed up. Well, Robbie Slater in commentary on Fox last night sort of seems oh, to, su- seem to suggest <laughs> that oh that was so, that was unfair that you know that yeah look it's a swinging it's a swinging elbow from Roy O'Donovan look that's a completely different argument whether it should have been yellow, red, nothing, MRP review, whatever, but. So the fact that, that um, Patrick Siegel was getting treatment off the field for a cut, does that mean that the game stops? That the game stops until he gets treated because the, because the, um, the medicos, the, the physio or whoever is treating Patrick Siegel can't bend him up quickly enough? Because that's what it came to. And then the fact that he had blood on his jersey, which we all know in 2020, that you know what, a player is not going to be allowed to re-enter the pitch you know, with blood on their jersey. So, and if that's, if that's taking a few minutes, and if the defenders for, for Western Sydney are not smart enough to be able to reorganise themselves, knowing that, oh, it might be a few minutes before Ziegler comes back, so let's fill in that space and concede a goal, that's their fault. Yeah. And, and not to take the fact that it wasn't like it was a tap-in either. It was a brilliant strike by yeah. Brad Inman from, from 25 yards out that beat Lopart all ends up. So I don't know what this, the complaint is about. Like, what, what do they want to do within the current protocols of the game at the moment? It's set up also by Baradovic as well. Yeah. But as a, I don't even blame the Wanderers defenders. I blame actually their midfield and yeah. trying to work out, mm. hang on, why can't one of you guys come back and just fill that yeah. hole? Like, well, like you can have the two. Olympics standing their team in that role, just get in the way. This is where they made a mistake and it's like, it's only had two. Ziegler was, we thought Ziegler was going to play defensive, well, back in the back three, but he played hard to It was only him and Nick Sullivan. So they only had one other midfielder to drop back. So I don't know where he was or why no one else filled that spot, but... There was no one there. I just think it was O'Donnell. I think that was quite fortunate. Mm. We've seen those given as red cards oh, yeah. before. Well, my precedent on that is always uh, Vinnie Grella in the twenty in the two thousand and seven Asian Cup against Japan. Yeah. Now that being said, I still feel like the only reason O'Donovan got booked in was because he drew blood, and I have yeah. no complaints about it being a yellow card. That's probably where I would have landed because I. Did he actually get him with his elbow? I'm yet to see an angle that actually says it was a swinging elbow to the face as much as it was just a hand. I don't think it was, but we've seen them given as red cards. We'll uh, we'll also go back to Robbie Slater in commentary, who I think he said uh, swinging arm, swinging elbow. Uh, I think there might have even been a suggestion of a punch in there as well. I'm surprised that by the end of the game, he didn't say that O'Donovan kicked him in the face like he did Lawrence Thomas. Yeah, look, it was reckless at best. Now, like I said, I... No, and that's probably worth a yellow. Now, obviously, Roy Donovan, the reason why they, the gun's on him is because, you know, he's got form. Unfortunately, you know, he can't escape that. So any, any, time, any time that there's anything slightly sort of off people saying, oh, send him off, send him off. And look, yeah, look, I agree with Scott that, you know, he may have been a little bit lucky. And I wouldn't have been that upset had he, have, had he been sent off. But at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. They had a look at it. They've given it yellow. That's the end of it. Yeah. yeah, they had plenty of time to look at it when Ziegler yeah. was down on the field of play. You have to you assume the VAR had a look at it and said, no, that's yeah, yellow card is sufficient. So and there you go. Yeah, I'm actually also surprised that we didn't try and see the uh, excuse of. Uh, I'm pretty sure O'Donovan did get a push in the back, yeah. which you know still swung his arm out. But um, but then there also was later in the game. I think it was Pepper that managed to collect an elbow to the face on yeah. a similar sort yeah. of challenge. And being Jacob Pepper, he just went, eh, let's go. <laughs> No, didn't mess up yeah. my haircut. We're fine. <laughs> but look, okay, we'll we'll wrap this up just with a simple discussion. Mm-hmm. It was a huge win for the Raw. You could see the relief and joy on their bench afterwards. I think we saw Fowler and Stefanuto have a big hug on yeah, the yeah. broadcast afterwards. And at the end of the day, like it just does seem like it's 
a confidence boost that this side so yeah. desperately needed. Like they were flat against Newcastle yeah. on the weekend, on short rest, away from home in what? Well, let's be honest, probably wasn't the most intimidating atmosphere, but probably should have been. Yeah, it just. It's something that they so badly needed. Well, Scott and I, at, uh, in the post-game show, we, we did discuss about whether how many points would be sufficient to be this be a successful, um, you know, sort of you know, set of two games as far as on the road. And look, we, we I think we landed on four out of six. I, I, I thought Newcastle and a draw, but um, but yeah, look, four out of six, and all of a sudden, you know, things looking up. I think it's a massive sort of relief. You know, a weight lift off Robbie Fowler because he was obviously copied from all sides. You know, sort of, you could almost see in a way that you know, in, in some of the things he's been saying that you know maybe the you know the the pressure is starting to get to him a little bit. So I think this is a massive, you know, if anything, just a relief. It, obviously, it all means naught if they get they get smashed by um, by Melbourne City next week. But at the moment, at least it's some relief that they can you know spend the next. Yeah, it's the next you know ten days at least getting rid of that city game, and you know, and at least you know going in with a win. And we will preview yeah. that city yeah. game in next week's podcast as well. Yeah, whether he's feeling pressure or not, it was a massive, massive release of it if there was any there because it was certainly a huge result. A backs against the wall win, you have to say as well, because not only everything we've talked about, we haven't mentioned Aaron and Marty Holloway went off just before half time. Daniel Bowles went off midway through the second half, so they were down a couple of players as well to fight through and get the result away from home against what is still one of the tougher places to go in the league. I know it's not the most hostile environment compared to years past, but it's still one of the toughest places to go. It's a good result for the Raw. Definitely. And also, speaking of those injuries, like you're right. It was something that yeah. you know you could see them bounce back. And also, it was uh, Roy Donovan got yeah. benched, was able to get back into the squad mm. because Holloway yeah. went off injured. And yeah. you know he managed to take that opportunity as well. And that's what this squad needs now. You need players who are in those yeah. uh, quite deep positions. You need someone yeah. to just step up and go, well... Hey, it's my position. I'm not giving it up. So I'm going to pretend to be a host for because Adam and I have discussed Joe Donovan dropping on the post-game show after the W League game on su- that Sunday. But James, you haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. What do you think of O'Donovan being dropped to the bench for the for the two games in a row now? It seems like it was, you know, serving its purpose as a wake-up call for the rest yeah. of the squad. I think it was a case of look, we're dropping our possibly marquee striker or whatever you want to call him. We're we're dropping our big name striker yep. to the bench. No one is sacred here. Either you know, step up or you know, get ready to watch the game uh, up with the media cretins. Yeah, well, no, don't, you don't want to do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and look, and a couple also, of those guys are real dodgy. as well, because of that, and because of, you know, obviously, you know, the, the faith that Robbie Fowler's had in, you know, in himself to say, okay, no one's sacred. I'm dropping my vice captain. It's it's paved the way for a young player like Mirza Moravich to take an opportunity. And as I said, two games into his A-League career. And look... It's it's a great start for him. Yeah. He's got a lot of work to do, um, obviously. You know, and there's going to be ups and downs. But look, it's un- they've unearthed, you know, maybe another, you know, youngster that at least you know will put forward a good professional yeah. career. And all the focus is on Roy O'Donovan being benched for the last two games. But so too has Dylan Windsor Hall. So it's not just Roy O'Donovan being made a scapegoat for the results not going to plan. There's been a couple of changes made, and so far you'd have to say they're working pretty well. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the other change that has worked out really well is obviously the return of Jamie Young. Absolutely, he's been fantastic in goal. Again, his save in Newcastle the other day was... I, yeah. I still think it's going to be the best save of the season. I can't see one being better than it's that. It's going to be hard to beat. To As I said, point. one point to Jamie Young. That's that Because that, that save that Jamie Young made, that was what earned the raw, you know, that, that draw last Saturday night so so yeah and he and he's been and like I said he, he's, been, he's been great since he's he's come back you know after you know sitting on the bench for the start of the season and uh, I, I find a very, very hard list through injury he'll be giving out that up anytime soon 
Well, I think we're going to talk about this in the next segment, but I think it's hard to see him going anywhere for the next couple of years. Anyway, we're going to take a break and come back with that next segment. Uh, This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on this Thursday afternoon in uh, Redcliffe, waiting for the W League to kick off between Brisbane Roar and Melbourne City. And I just realised I forgot to do the plugs in uh, segment one, so I'll do them now. Email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Send in any comments, questions you want us to discuss. We always appreciate our listener feedback. That was unintentionally a singular. (laughs) Uh, Facebook, the Roar Review. Uh, We're still trying to change that to Brisbane Football Review, but... Zuckerberg's quite hard to get a uh, hold of. Twitter, at BNE Football. And on those social accounts, you can find our live match updates as well with our very high-budget graphics that we all put <laughs> together. And then, uh, yeah, podcast. You're obviously listening to us. Uh, iTunes, Wooshka, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And also, you can hear our podcast replay on Football Nation Radio. Uh, I think it's Australia's only 24-hour uh, football-dedicated internet radio station. We probably should do more research on our partner. <laughs> I should, but I'm also senile, so they will tell me, and I'll forget. <laughs> and that's just, you know, concussion history. Anyway, segment two, we're going to lead off with what we talked about at the end of segment one, and that is Jamie Young's contract extension, a good little uh, New Year's present from him. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, after that challenge of Max Crockham, he's uh, working his way back into the starting lineup now, and he will be the Raw's leading goalkeeper for the next couple of years by the sounds of it. Yeah, when he's, when Jamie Young's had real strong competitions when he's been at his best, think back to when Michael Theo was still here and the two of them were fighting for that number one spot. Having Max Crocombe here this year, who's someone Robbie Fowler brought in to fight for that spot, has really helped Jamie Young. I think leaving him out for the first couple of weeks also really probably lit a fire because he probably thought, I'm still going to be the number one goalkeeper because he played in the FFA Cup and... Ever since he's got that spot back in round five, round six, whatever it was, he's been absolutely brilliant. We talked about it last segment. The performance in Newcastle was brilliant, and that's what we've come to expect from Jamie Young. And I know he's in his mid-30s now, but the goalkeepers do play for a lot longer, and he's he's got more than a couple of years in him, no doubt. And I think it's a it's a good signing for the Brisbane Roar. Yeah, look, um, yeah, it's exciting times, you know that. Yeah, Jamie Young, he does get a, you know, an extension on his, his contract. We sort of we, multi-year, I think, was the title, so we can probably gauge at least, you know, two years. That's what multi definition of multi years, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I agree, with Scott, that you know, when 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 Jamie Young has got competition for his spot, you see the best, you see the best out of it. It's good to see the two-time defending uh, Gary Wilkins medal winner. Um, yeah, so if, you know, he signed your deal, and you know, by sounds very happy to. And Above all else, like, he is a very popular figure amongst the yeah. fans, not just because of the fact that he can pull off some absolutely ridiculous saves, but the, like his story to get to where he is now. I think he's still possibly studying his doctorate, maybe, or maybe he's... In psychology, yeah. Yeah, and he's also uh, did that uh, off-season trip to Nepal and yeah. all that, which we're seeing coming out now as well. And he's just one of those footballers that I think we've found is very, very yeah. likable. Like, we've interviewed him yeah. a couple of times. He's always been very gracious with us, and... Look, I'm going to be honest, that's a good way to win us over and make us say nice things about him. If it's nice to us in interviews, I'm happy to say he's a nice guy. <laughs> All that is true. He's also a real leader in this team. You've seen since he's come back in, his leadership and his vocal his, vo- his vocal leadership, you see it on the field, it's absolutely important. It's made a big difference for the Raw. And I think Scott Neville's kind of feeding off that because he was quite vocal last time as well. But Jamie Young's clearly 
one of the leaders. I don't think he's in the leadership group technically because it's Aldrin and O'Donovan, isn't it? But I think he's probably up there in that senior group of players who help lead the side and it's having a big impact. And he was one of those guys that uh, was talked about as being a possible replacement captain for Matt Mackay. I'll say, I'll say so exactly my point was the maker that, yeah, look, you had, had to think that they thought long and hard about, about him being you know, a future captain of, of the club. And uh, look, he, he would feel well whether you know, they want a goalkeeper as captain if that goes against you know, sort of, you know, traditional or whatever. But, but yeah, look, I think even if he doesn't have the, the C or the VC title next to it, I still think he's, he's a very, very important part of this club. And absolutely, and he might not need that, I suppose, honour or responsibility next to his name because he's the guy who is going to say, as a goalkeeper, I'm just going to tell you what to do anyway. Mm. And it seems like all these players are willing to listen to him. Like, you've got the guys like Aldred, Gillespie, Neville, as you said before, yeah. Scott. They're willing to actually take instruction from him. And, you know, one minor silver lining out of the yeah. slightly less than expected crowds and quieter than expected active support area is you can actually hear Jamie Young yelling from where I'm sitting in the games. And he, he's very, he's gotten so much better at that. Cause I remember in 2015 when he made his start, he was so timid and uncertain. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now he knows, all right, you go there, you go there. He looks like he's got so much more of a command over where everyone's supposed to be, where the attacks are coming from. It just, he just looks so much more. Well, I don't want to say at peace because it's still Jamie Young, but he just looks a lot more assured of what he's saying. He might not get it right all the time, but at least he's saying, all right, now, this is what I think is the best way to attack it. I think assured is the right word because he absolutely does see it that way. He made some good saves earlier in his A-League career, but the, there was always mm. that question mark There was about, is he up to it, particularly with his distribution and all the rest of it? But he certainly does look more assured now. We can't hear what Jamie Young's saying from the press box. I'm sure you can. Move. But you can see <laughs> him shouting at defenders, midfielders, even players in the front third to move to get into the right positions. And that, that's, that's vital, that. And I think also, as well, it's influence within the goalkeeping group. I, I, I don't know much about Max Crockham as well, but certainly you see that in Macklin Frake, you know, the way he marshals his, his troops in front of him um, you know, at a youth league level. That's got to be Jamie Young's influence. And I think even um, Nathan Foster, who's you know, the understudy, in the, also as well, on occasion, you see him. Really, so there's obviously some influence that, you know, that Jamie Young, not only for his own performance, but, as well, but he's, it's, he's also sort of you know, imparting that wisdom on the next generation of raw goalkeepers. Well, and that's the one thing that you would hope for someone in his 30s, you know, with that sort of resume that he's got, he can then turn around and say, hey, guys, do what, I, do what I'm doing here. It yeah. seems to work. And if you're the younger player, you look at it and go, well, he's the number one goalkeeper for the A-League side. Maybe I should try and look at some of the stuff he does well. And I kind of want to pivot that as well. So multi-year extension for Jamie Young. Do you feel like this might be the time where, if Robbie Fowler is planning on being here beyond his uh, contract as well, which I believe is this season and next, do you feel like he might be thinking, okay, I've got Jamie Young locked in, it might be time to start trying to work a younger goalkeeper in, whether it's Macklin Frake or someone from elsewhere in the league, it might be saying, all right, it's time to start that understudy process looking for an eventual long-term successor. It could be. Max Crocombe is not that old in his own right. I think he's in his mid-20s, so he could also be that young goalkeeper, but... I do think there is a decision coming very soon around Macklin Frank. He's been in the youth side for about three, four years now. He's clearly ready for a spot in the A-League. He's probably starting off on the bench, but being involved in match day squads, he's ready for that. And if it's not going to be here in Brisbane, he might need to move somewhere else to get that opportunity. But he is ready, and that decision is going to have to come pretty soon. 
We've always been blessed here in Brisbane to have, you know, top quality goalkeepers, you know, and it seems like a tradition. You know, like I said, I'd have no problem seeing Macklin Frank be the number two going forward if Max Crockham's deal only lasts one year and he moves on. Um, but also as well, yeah, I agree with Scott that, you know, if, he, if it isn't Macklin Frank and Crockham does stay on, he probably does need to go somewhere else to, to get that time. That's, you know, I think he's good enough now um, to, to be an A-league goalkeeper. He just needs, he just needs the opportunity. And someone's eventually going to give it to him, whether it's here or elsewhere, as you said. All right, now, uh, that does resolve the future of one of the raw players, but, Scott, with your uh, contract list, it's not 100% certain where it is. But um, some of the raw players who still have their future up in the air, uh, this is just trying to read the uh, screenshot there. Uh, Bowles, Hingett, Muradovic, uh, O'Neill, who is on loan, so he won't be here at the end of the year unless they're all opt to perhaps make another loan offer or a permanent deal. Uh, Jacob Pepper, Isaac Powell, Aaron Reardon, and Kai Truen. Yep. Now, w- we've seen quite a few uh, Y-League games. Obviously, they're yep. playing again on Saturday up here at uh, AJ, AJ Kelly, Kelly Park. Yep. So get along to that if you can. But uh, it seems like the bulk of those guys, you could make a pretty good case for trying to retain, I would say, well, the bulk of them, Adam. Yeah, well, look, the one name that stands out immediately is Jack Hingott. And I think, just I also want to say, that you know, since he's been back, back the last two games, he's been outstanding. He's, and I think, I think he knows that you know, he needs to be outstanding because you know, at the end of the day, his contract's up and you know, he'd be chasing new deals. So, but since he's come back, look, Raw are unbeaten and, um, and it's, a lot of it is due to his good work on the right, on the right back role. And occasionally left. Absolutely. Hey, oh, sorry, you're right. <laughs> he did play left back last night. I don't know when the last time he played left back before last night was, but he did quite well there, didn't he? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he does have that sort of flexibility and ability to try and you know, play both sides now, and he's one of those things where yeah. he can go and say, hey, I can play more than yeah. one position. And yeah. that's one of the things that uh, Scott Neville was brought in for as well, where yeah. he can play right back, he can play centre back. And if he can play on both sides, that does increase his value. He's one of those guys who, like, we've been looking to see all season, you know, what will his return bring to the side? And I think it's clear to see a pretty solid impact. He's a very solid fullback in this league, isn't he? He's... He's slightly above league average. He's very he's he's the sort of player that you can plug into the side. Yep, he's not going to let you down. He's going to do a good job. With some of the others, the young, a lot of the young guys, it's just time to make a decision around them. Guys like Kai True and Aaron Ridden, we haven't seen make their haven't seen them break into the A League side yet too much. It's time to make a decision around: Are they going to be long term parts of the plan, or are they not? It's it, it's it's coming to that time with those guys. Decision made. I think the next one you really want to lock down is probably Mirza Muratovic. I mean. It's, uh, he's broken through into the A-League side now. People now know who he is and what he can do. And you don't want to see a player like that break through here and then leave when you can when you can see that he can have an impact in this side. He's probably the next one outside of Jack Hingott that you'd want to tie down. Based on those two appearances so far this season, yeah. absolutely. Especially before he discovers that uh, well-trodden Brisbane to Melbourne Highway. Yeah, there's a raving suggestions about that but uh, on social media. But uh, yeah, look, uh, there's a couple of other players as well that you know that I think as as well their futures, even though they, they're contracted, you know, we, you know, Jai Ingham, uh, George Mells, and um, who's the other one I'm thinking of at the moment? Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're two. Yeah, they're, they're two at least that you know I know that. Oh, Conor Tool, sorry, yes. I was seeing that. Obviously, as well that you know, there's rumours that they're about to be, they're about to leave, or they're being shopped around, or they are. You know, not, they are rumours. We should yeah. point out. Absolutely, yeah. But um, look, rumours or not, you know, the fact that their names are coming up in that sort of this you know January transfer window suggests that you know maybe there's a, there's a bit of play here. So, yeah, look, I think the young of that list, I think the young players obviously should. You'd think that would 
earn a um, at least some sort of deal. But yeah, it's, um, but yeah, look, as far as someone like a Daniel Bowles or Jacob Pepper, it all depends on what I think. I think they're both good squad players, but I think they may be also surplus requirements, especially with young guys coming through. But yeah. look, you never know. Depends what you're going to do with young players, really. Yeah. Well, I do think that uh, Reardon and Truin are primed for an opportunity in the first team yeah. at some point sooner rather than later. As, yeah. You know, perhaps it's when the Y League season ends and they wind up needing uh, game time before NPL starts. It could be next next week with Daniel Bowles' injury. I don't know how serious that is. That could be an opening yeah. in that central defensive area for one of them potentially next week. Who knows? And we've seen Kai Truin be included in a couple of those squads as well. So he could be the next cab off the rank, yeah. even though in preseason we were talking about Aaron Reardon yeah. as maybe being that next young player to break through. I'd love to see Aaron Reardon get a couple of starts in the A-League. I think also as well, because I think his debut was so, so you know, it was not a, not a happy one for him. So, look, we all know what a good defender he is. Um, but unfortunately, I think for a lot of the fan base, they only remember him on his on his one one or two games that he's had, and look, that's probably not the way you want to start. So I think he'll have a lot to prove if he gets the opportunity as well. Yeah, exactly. And when they do get a run in the squad, I do want to see them get four or five games. Now, hmm. the transfer window is uh, opening, I think it's on the 14th of January. Third. It's the third. Oh. It's the 3rd of January. What am I, I don't know what I'm thinking yeah. of on the 14th then. Just ignore me. I think we need to rename it as well. It's not the transfer window. It's the mutual termination window. Yes, definitely. Because you can't pay transfer one. fees. Yes. Uh, Brandon Wilson from Perth Glory. Yes. And uh, my tip is he's going to wind up with the victory. I have no inside knowledge he of that. He might join Carlo Armiento there. You never know. Yeah. Well, I'm just throwing it at a dartboard at the moment oh, anyway. I thought he might end up at uh, Perth SC. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> the question I've got for both of you is... If you've got to move a player on to strengthen an area of the squad, what's the area of the squad that you want to strengthen? I want to strengthen the midfield. I think the defence is... There's a lot of defensive players there, some some of the young guys coming through, some of the visa guys. There's enough players there to fill those holes. The front, though, we've got four or five, maybe even six strikers now who can play in that front. It's the midfield for me that just needs another... Someone who can control the game in the midfield a little bit more alongside an Aiden O'Neill. If you can plug someone in there, that would be ideal. If the absolute dream sign will be a number 10 who can come in and influence the game. So I don't know if the Raw can get that in January given the salary cap situation. So it might just be someone who can help control midfield and, and hope that the creative players ahead of that can, can flourish. Just to follow up on that though, with that number 10, do you feel like maybe if they picked up a player a little bit deeper in midfield, whether it's at central mid or a defensive mid, that might free up Jay O'Shea a little bit more? I think that's part of it to give Jay O'Shea more attacking freedom. But I think also giving him somebody... To, be, to have creatively alongside of him could help. So you think back to Broich. Yeah, Broich was an amazing attacking midfielder for the Raw, but he had Enrique, he had Matt Mackay, Petrados, Corona at times. There were a lot, a lot of creative outlets there for him to play alongside of. That helped him. And I don't think the Raw have enough creative links in that midfield to front third at the moment. I think that's that's part of the problem. It's also something that Mertz Muradovic has helped fix because he's linking the play quite well at the moment. Adam, what would you strengthen? Well, two weeks ago, I was said we probably need another, another number 10 and number... And a, probably a, d- a defensive midfielder as well. But uh, look, I think Brad Inman might actually be that that player that may that may sit into that that sort of I guess I wouldn't call it a, a second six, but like that player next to Aidan O'Neill when he's back from international duty. Um, 
but yeah, and also as well, like I said, but it's it's all about moving parts now because you would have thought, yeah, we need to we need to fill in that the, the striking role of second because they need they need more goals from somewhere else. They just can't just rely on Roy O'Donovan's, you know, six goals, five of them have been penalties. Brad Inman's all of a sudden come along and he scored a couple, so he may fill that void a little bit. But yeah, look, I just think another quality player in that midfield, uh, perhaps that attacking role. Um, I don't know. Look, the situation may be, you know, can they bring in some, a foreign player, depending on if Roy O'Donovan gets a citizenship, which opens up a visa spot. Um, but And also as well, I'd, I'd look at, yeah, maybe a second striker at the moment. But uh, look, Mersa Moravich as well, you want to give give him his every chance possible. But um, yeah, I think they've been one or two quality players short of really to get it together. To me, it comes down to what does Robbie Fowler want to do with this squad long-term? Yeah. What's his best formation? What's his best personnel? Mm. Is it two out-and-out strikers or is it that, uh, with that uh, five-slash-three at the back? Yeah. Or is it that four-three-three that we saw against the Mariners and maybe a little bit more of a... Like uh, with two out-and-out wingers? Because, yes, they've got a lot of strikers, but I'm not sure how well-off they are for out-and-out wingers. Yeah. So I, that they don't th- have a lot of natural width. I think that um three four one two whatever you want to call it is his preferred formation. It's what we saw all through preseason, and he went away from it when results weren't going for him. So I think that's probably to answer your question, his preferred formation. And if Roy O'Donovan does get citizenship, that's when you might be able to get that number ten creative attacking midfield type player who could make a difference. Because I don't see who the Australian player is available that you could actually get in this in January who would fill that hole for you. I think it's going to have to be a visa player. And if Roy O'Donovan is no longer a visa player, then that opens up that opportunity. But that's, you've still then got to open up the salary cap space to fit just whoever there is into that spot. It's a tough time to do business in any league, but particularly in the A-League, given the confines of the, whole, the salary cap, the squad list, and all the rest of it. Definitely. All right. Look, there's a lot to unfold with uh, the Raw, and I think that we'll have quite a bit to talk about over the next month as the transfer window does unfold. We're actually going to take a break and uh, get ready for the upcoming W League game here. And um, we'll be back for segment three, which will also double as our regular post-game show. So if you're listening to us now, stay tuned for our post-game show. Otherwise, I'll still stay tuned. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Hello everyone and welcome to a double duty Brisbane football review. It's either our W League post game show or segment three of our regularly scheduled podcast, depending on when you're listening to it. And we're coming to you after Brisbane Raw's 2-0 defeat to Melbourne City in the uh, W League match at Redcliffe tonight. It's James Scott and Adam with you here for Podular Media. And well, guys, it wasn't a great night for the Raw, was it? 2-0, Adam. Yeah, look, I think um, statistically and I think even in the game itself, it was a fairly even contest. But at the end of the day, the... The clear message is simple, that Melbourne City took their chances and Brisbane Raw did not. It it almost is that simple, Scott. It is almost that simple because Brisbane had a whole bunch of chances in this game. On another night, they could have scored goals and they didn't and Melbourne City took their chances. It's also kind of a... It sums up the season a lot for the Raw in this W League as well because they've they've dropped three home games now. All three of them have had plenty of chances. Melbourne's victory, West Sydney and now Melbourne City. They've had plenty of chances in all three games, just have not converted enough of them over the course of the season so far. No, definitely, and it, it is the one thing that we're seeing a lot with the Raw, where they're just they're getting into the right position, but they just cannot finish the chances. And look, we'll go through the two goals uh, from Melbourne City. The first one, it was just a case of, 
I'm forgetting, drawing a blank on the name. Steph Catley with the cross back in and Vyatovic with the good finish. That's right. And then the second one was just a fantastic finish from RV Lug just straight past uh, Mackenzie Arnold at the far post. That's the quality on show in this game. I think there was something like 18 internationals internationals. who played international football on show tonight and there was tremendous quality and it was a really good good game and RV Lug showed that with her second goal as well. Yeah, definitely. That strike to put the game to bed. Like... I think I said just before that one went in, actually, the way the, the match was yeah. unfolding, you could really see that Melbourne City were going to try and get something on that counter-attack and try and put it away. And for the Raw, it was just a case of the chances that they were creating weren't clear-cut enough. There were a lot of, I felt like, half chances where they were trying to snatch at shots yeah. in the box that were you know, just a little bit too far off. There was a header off a corner that I thought maybe, uh, I can't remember if it was Polkinghorn or maybe Kellen Knight, who just wasn't expecting it to come to them. Yeah, a couple of block shots, some good defending from Melbourne City, a couple of half chances, but the Raw didn't really have that clear-cut goal-scoring chance. I think the best one they would have had was around Carson Pickett with the beautiful ball across field to Riley Basin in the first half, and that shot went just over the bar. That's probably the best chance the Raw created over the 90 minutes for and me. Uh, Hayley Rasso, she tried hard tonight. Yeah. You know, she was she was her usual energizer bunny type. You know, range. She, she hit the crossbar in the first half as well. Um, so, look, yeah, but at the end of the day, as I said before, uh, Brisbane just couldn't fashion chances, some chances, and Melbourne City did, did and they scored both. And Haley managed to get to run skate today, so that was a good start. Yeah, I think the worst thing that happened was a uh, slightly frayed temper. Yes, well, towards the end. Anyway. My father was best player as well. The oh, energy yeah. that Haley put into the game tonight was unbelievable. Just unfortunately, he wasn't able to cap that off with a goal. Definitely, and it was a nice reminder of just what she's capable of. All right, uh, before we hear any more from us, let's hear from the Raw coach, Jake Goodship, after the match. All right, Jake, uh, not an ideal night out here at Redcliffe. What were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, look, I think uh, we lost the game tonight in transition moments. As soon as we gave the ball away, our reaction wasn't good enough to win it back, and, and as quick as we can in high areas, we dropped off instead of pressing, and it cost us tonight. I think we're, you know, in the second half, we're fantastic. Most of the game, if not the most of the half, sorry, we're spent in their, in their third, in their back third. Uh, yeah, disappointed, but we learn from it and we go again for next week. Uh, you pull the team together in a huddle at the end of the match. What were you saying there? You know, it's the Brisbane War way. We do things the hard way, so we go to Wanderers uh, next game and we win. Simple as that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Brisbane Raw like doing things the hard way, so it's part of our DNA. Uh, Alice Kellen Knight, another three minutes. Like, how far away do you think she might be even making her first start? Yeah, look, we've been patient with her. Obviously, she's world class. She's a quality player, um, but we don't want to rush her as well. We want, uh, you know, her welfare is um, our most priority. Hopefully, we get her fit enough, and she's called into the Matildas again. So that's our priority. And um, you've been playing uh, Tamiki Yallop at uh, striker tonight. What went into that decision? Yeah, look, we um, just changed a few things around. Holly done very well last week when she came on. She had a great impact. She scored a goal, and she felt she deserved the chance at starting. So we pushed Meeks as a, as a nine, and you know she did well tonight. She works very hard for the team. And how much of it is just trying to get your most informed eleven on the pitch and trying to fit them into the formation? Yeah, I thought you know I think it, the team picks itself and performance, and the players pick the team. If they perform, they train hard. They're in. If they don't, they don't play. Simple as that. So. As long as they train hard next week, we don't know. Uh, it's up to them who starts. And obviously it was a short turnaround from uh, the game on Sunday. Did that have any impact? Yeah, look, we can blame uh, the short turnaround, but we, we modified our week. We had two training sessions. We were quite modified and our detail was good to prepare for tonight. I think we saw that in the performance. We weren't outplayed. But we deserve to get sank out of it. So, you know, it's just one of them things. 
We're two games away to Sydney, back-to-back. How important are these going to be for the side this season now? Yeah, massive. Um, our form away from home is good. So we go to Sydney twice in a week and, again, a short turnaround, but it's no excuse. And um, we give it our all. We win them two games and we still win the league. So until it's over, it's over. So. So that was obviously a very disappointed Jake Goodship there after the raw uh, 2-0 defeat in the W League to Melbourne City. And, well, guys, I, I, the one thing I want to get on to next, actually, is the reaction at full time. Now, first thing that we saw was every player bar Elise Keller Knight, who was doing the Fox Sports interview, got pulled into a huddle and basically given that rev up by uh, Jake Goodship, which we asked about in the press conference. But I, I think there was a bit of a... I think that might have been a bit of a... Guys, pick your game up because your margin for error is frantically disappearing. Yeah, it's normally the sort of thing you probably see more behind scenes in the um, in the um. Yeah, in yeah. you see behind the scenes in the change room, but it is one of those things that just I, I'm kind of surprised that it just happened out there on the pitch. But I suppose you really want to capture the emotion of that moment. Yeah, it's one of those things you normally do see behind behind the scenes. But with the Raw W League, so if you've ever been to a W League game here, you know that the players are always. Out on the field for at least half an hour after the game, signing autographs, getting selfies with the fans. And you might lose the effect of that message if you wait that long to share that message with the players. So to do that on the field straight away, well, it's a little bit odd to do that in the public. If you want to get a message like that out straight away to the players, that's probably the right time to do it. Yeah, look, there's actually still out there signing at the moment. As we're speaking, we're probably half an hour after um, full-time was gone. So, yeah, but it is. I think it's also a sign, I think, as well. I think to the fans that are here as well that, you know, while it was probably, in their minds, a disappointing result, I think as well it's still it's a unified team. And, and yeah, look, it, it's, still, it's not fatal as far as their, their final series go. Again, margin here is going. They're, they're level on points with... Uh, Canberra United and uh, Melbourne Victory are just behind them, uh, two points adrift. So this this race for, fi- for for the final four, the fourth spot, I think is yeah. is well and truly in you know getting into the back end of the season. And that's why I actually, if you know what Jake mm. said to us is accurate, and I have no reason to think that it isn't. Mm. I, I, that's why I like that message of hey, don't let your heads yeah. drop. There is still plenty to play for yeah. here. There is. There's plenty of tough games coming as well. They've got West Sydney away to the next game, and Sydney FC away. And they finish away at Melbourne City with a home game against Canberra as well. So a lot of the teams who are going to be fighting for that fourth spot or are going to be in the finals are teams that are all going to play between now and then. So you do not want to lose confidence now with some of these tough games coming up that they've got. Yeah, definitely. The only thing that does concern me a little bit going forward, including for that game against uh, West Sydney Wanderers, January 12th at Marconi Stadium, the big concern for me about that is the fact that it still seems like there's a lot of chopping and changing trying to find the best combinations. Yeah. Uh, Jake said that it was, by and large, uh, based on you know who's in form at training that week, and that's all well and good. But it, I would love to know if you asked him who his best eleven is today, what answer would he give, and would that change if you asked him in three days? Oh look, I think I think he's got the ten and the eleven that I think is best. The problem is I, think I don't think right. he knows how to, he doesn't know how to fit it because you do see it. And I think the one criticism I have of this this raw W League side at the moment is that the front four, while all individually are very, very good players, none of them seem to know their, their exact role. Like one minute you have uh, Tamiki Yalbrain that's really middle, next minute you've got Hayley Rasso and we've actually seen it in games where they almost get in the way of each other and look at all good intentions. But I think they need they need to sort that out is whose position is playing yeah. what in that front four because that that's going to be crucial. And like I said, we've there's some tough games ahead. Like Western Sydney next next week are top of, will be looking to go top of the table again, and um, and, yeah, and then Sydney after that. So they this they really need to sort of um, 
need to sort of move on here and, and yeah. sort of figure that out. It's tough because it's that centre forward position again. The last couple of years, we have not had that go-to centre forward in this side that you can you can plug in and think, yep, she's going to score eight to ten goals this season. That's what's really lacking here. You've seen they've tried Riley Bayes and they've tried Alira Toby, they've tried Tamiki Elt, they've tried India Page Riley. None of them have really stamped that they're. Yeah, I'm the I'm the number nine of this side who's going to score the goals. That's that's one thing that is lacking and. It's trying to find that balance in that front third because Adam's right, they do rotate a lot and between that three or four, but they just need to really nail down that number nine position for me. Yeah, and the big problem that I also think they've got at the moment is this squad is very midfield heavy. heavy. Yeah. It was an observation we all had during the match where there was just... Okay, it was just a case of how many of the players in the starting 11 would you classify as midfielders? And it feels like at least probably seven of the yeah. starting 11 would be, or at least starting 10 outfield players, you would classify them as uh, probably out-and-out midfielders. Yeah, well, they're starting Celeste Bray at centre-back, and she does a good job back there, but is a natural holding midfield player, and three in midfield, and then probably three up front as well at the moment. There's a lot of midfield players in that starting 11. That doesn't even include Elise Kellen-Knight, who's maybe one of the best midfielders the Raw have coming off the bench at the moment as she returns from injury. Yeah, that's it. Well, look, it's not all doom and gloom for the Raw W League side. Look, I... I am starting to really come around to, you know, Riley Bates, and she's growing into a yeah. role in the league as well. They've got... Better out on the right, actually. Since they moved her to the right-hand side, she's had more of an impact yes, than, definitely. than through the middle. And able to, I suppose, capitalise on the fact that a lot of attention is going to Hayley yeah. Rasso. On yeah. the other side, who is probably the most impactful player in the Raw by a very long way. Yeah. I think what we're also seeing as well, uh, Claire Polkinghorn, she is still more than capable of uh, putting herself in the right position more often yeah. than not. Uh, Katrina Gorey, she... I, well, if I want to go silver lining, she can only get better. Yep. I think she's still trying to find her feet after, I believe she had an off-season off. Yeah, she, I think she didn't play over in America or Europe this year, so it was really only the World Cup between now and the end of the last W League season. So was, Where she didn't play all that much in the World Cup either. No, she didn't. So it's a case of, she's fresh, but I do think she's still showing a few signs of rust. Like her passing radar early in this match was quite a way off, and I think she's still finding her range. The other point as well that we were talking about during the match is the fact that we haven't seen one of those 30-yard bombs from Gorey at all tonight. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's one thing that I know that in the past, uh, her and uh, Tamiki Allen both, we know in just from the past that they can rattle off you know, a long-range shot, but at the moment they seem to be, again, just trying to you know, be too clever by half, trying to sort of you know, pass inside, outside, trying to go through the middle, you know, crossing it in, and yeah, we, it just as a change-up more than anything else, we know they're capable of it, it's just we haven't seen it, so I think, look, the, the effort's there, the the effort's there, the whole, I guess, you know, it's two-thirds of the way is there as far as the final third finishing. That, at the end of the season, unless things don't change soon, that's going to be the epitaph we'll be saying on this season, is that the finishing was not good enough. And I think that, that's what they need to sort out. If they sort that out, they're, they're championship contenders. There's no doubt about that. They're absolutely championship contenders. They, if they get into fourth, they're a side that mm. I, you would not want to play because... The, oh, yeah. the, Especially the, if they the find ch- that goal scoring. Absolutely, there's the semi-final pedigree that this side has, the big game pedigree this side has. They're more than capable of, of going on the road two weeks in a row and winning big games yeah. away from home. They've done it before. They can do it again. And they're going to have to start at Western Sydney on the 12th, but that's where it's going to have to start. But if they, if they get on a roll and get into fourth... They can absolutely win this competition. One, one sort of stat going into that is that the Raw are five for five wins down at Marconi Stadium against Wanderers, but this is a very, very different Wanderers team. Definitely. All right, so on that note, I think we need to wrap up this post-game show and probably the podcast as well, depending on what you're listening to us on. But uh, I should say, you know, first of all, you know, thanks to the Raw for 
accommodating us this afternoon yep. slash this evening. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, Scott. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks, James, Adam. Thanks yep. to our listeners. Happy New Year, everybody, If it's a, even if it's a little bit belated. Now, uh, before the Raw W League side are back in action, you also have the Y League at AJ Kelly Park this Saturday, January 4. Uh, I'm not sure who they're playing. Uh, Perth Glory. Perth Glory. There we go. And then you've also got the Raw A League side at home uh, Saturday afternoon, the 11th of January, against Melbourne City. So... Whole lot of football coming up. Make sure you get out and watch as much of it as you can. And yeah, big, thanks everyone. Big game for the Y League on, on Saturday as well. Definitely. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a good weekend, and we'll be back to talk more next week.